Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of I Have Been Through Some Shit, the podcast. My name is Dawn, and I, like you, have been through a lot of shit. I'm a narcissistic and domestic abuse survivor, and in order to combat my fears, I decided that I was going to learn everything about narcissism. It's an obsession. I will never stop. Most times I'm learning right along with you. But listen, once you know the game, the game is over. And it is a game. These people know what they're doing. So today is the continuation of the mini cast. This is part two of how to make the narcissist miserable or what makes the narcissist miserable. And this information I found online from the narcissistic abuse recovery coach named Kim Saeed. You can find her on all social platforms. Just Google Kim Saeed, S-A-E-E-D. So without further ado, let's get started. Be right back. Okay, so my office is a disaster and needs to be cleaned. And of course, you know, my office is my closet. This place is a disaster. I can't believe and it's always like this at the end of the week. Um, It gets better towards the beginning of the week, but then the end of the week, the bottom falls out. Okay, so how to make a narcissist miserable things that make a narcissist miserable. Let's get into it. So now, this is a continuation of part one minicast, remember, so you can find the other uh, things that make the narc miserable over on uh, that uh, podcast specifically. So this is uh, a continuation of that. So expectations of commitment. Is this surprising to anyone? They believe they deserve loyalty, but they're not going to provide it to you. I mean, why would they ever do that? right? They don't consider other people's needs and relationships. They only care about their emotions, impulses, and desires. And desires, that's the thing, because a lot of their desires are things that hurt their partner. You know, they will uh, do those types of behaviors, um, look at porn, uh, you know, go to the strip club, spend all the money in the bank account. Um, Those things, that's hurtful uh, to your partner. Uh, Do they care? No, they don't care. Unfortunately, many adoring partners hold on to the hope of the narc changing. But the person remembers the wonderful person during the love bombing phase, and they are going to hold on hope to that person that will return. But they won't return, you guys, because that person was only acting out a role they created to be. It's the hardest thing to realize is that that person that treated you in ways that were so wonderful that and did things for you that no one has ever done before was not a real individual. That is such a mindfuck. It really is. The real person is the one that you see after the love bomb ends, after they have you where they want you and they start to change That's the real person. It's an insidious, horrible manipulation that they do to people. And we fall for it because we're good people. 
You know, and they didn't come after you because you're stupid, dumb, and ugly. They're going to tell you later that you're stupid, dumb, and ugly. But then why'd you get with me in the first place? It's terrible. They make the rules. And they make, and they break the rules in ways that suit them. That's it. That's it. All right. Next thing that makes them miserable, vulnerable and emotional expression. So they're going to use this thing called cognitive empathy. So this is when they gain access to someone's like your deep emotions, your feelings, your vulnerabilities, and they're going to use this to establish a sense of trust in you and rapport. But this is like a false kindness and compassion. They're just kind of figuring out how you tick. So uh, they loathe vulnerability and emotional expression. They see it as weakness, so they'll use it to take advantage of you when your defenses are down. So let's think of this. Let's think of the slimy salesperson that convinces you that you need to be like buy like all new appliances for your whole entire house or the money hungry uh, uh, slimy ass car salesman that's going to prey on your ambivalence to purchase a new car. They're going to tap into and gain access to your emotions and your feelings about those things, and they're going to prey on them. That's what they do. It's called cognitive empathy, and you can Google a little bit more about that. This one is so right on. I just literally almost like jumped up out of my chair. 99% of people, this is something that the narcissist hates. 99% of people, you know that I'm right. And you also know that if someone has a problem with everyone, that that person is the problem. So let's think for a moment. How many actual friends does the narc in your life have? Like, think about it. Like, actual, true friends. Now, they know that you have friends, and they are probably going to, you know, run them all out of your life uh, because they don't want you to have friends because they don't have friends. So they don't have many friends, right? No one that they can call on. No one that's going to be like, you know, uh, coming over, you know, to hang. No. This does not really happen for them. And this is because their friends are only the people in their lives who validate their behavior. So they might hang out with their family, you know, because the family's not going to go up against them because they don't want the narc coming after them. So they're going to validate all of their behavior. They might have like... Uh, strong bonds with someone. Um, and I'm speaking from experience from the narcissist that I was involved with, uh, would have like bromances, like with, um, you know, one guy in particular. Um, you know, it was different guys over the course of uh, the relationship that kind of came and went, but always like these bromances. And then the person is like, figures, uh, you know, the narc out. And then here's what's going to happen. So the narc will then be like, hate him, smear him, tell anybody that will listen that, you know, he's a loser, an asshole, and make up all kinds of shitty, you know, and dirt and like just lies about the person. Um, but that's only after, you know, they have figured him out. So um, how often do you hear the narcissist complain about other people? It's like always, Right. That's because a single wrongdoing or a mistake tarnishes an entire 
reputation of a person for them, but they will make up reasons to hate on other people as well. That's important to know, like made up, because we know that like most of the time they're lying about anything. It could be sunny outside and they're like, well, actually I see a couple clouds. So it's actually, I mean, it's, it's cloudy. It's like, oh my God. <sighs> okay. So they struggle with anyone who doesn't fit into their false narrative. That's the most important thing. This false world that they live in and this false person that they've created. Um, if the person, the friend, quote unquote, kind of like calls them out or is just like, you know, this isn't making sense. Uh, they don't like being challenged and they can't stand the ideas that others may know more than them about anything. So they cannot tolerate people who live in reality because remember, these people are in a false narrative at all times. That's why you won't see a person with strong boundaries tolerating them for very long. And once the quote unquote friend figures them out, they're going to bounce out. Totally. Then the narc will work on the smear campaign, smearing the name, all kinds of made up things about the former friend. And this, you know, uh, this is like an arc in their life that it just replays itself. It just replays itself over and over and over and over and over again, just with different people. Because, you know, the narc, you know, always has a problem with people, especially if they're strong people, going to have major, major problems with them. Anybody that challenges their reality, their reality, which is, as we know, totally made up. Okay, your clarity. They hate your clarity. Their greatest fear is that you'll remember what life was like before you met them. They'll engage in manipulation tactics to prevent this. They will love bomb you to keep you captured. And then they'll make you feel special in ways you've never felt before, which we've talked about previously. They don't want you to think of yourself at all. If you do, they're going to react. They're going to try to break you down and they will make you doubt your abilities. And the goal is to reprogram your mind, whatever it takes, so that you stay. That sounds pretty familiar. Next, what makes the narc miserable? When you change the status quo. Narcissists hate change, especially if it's out of their control. But you deserve better, and you know this, and you're really starting to understand this. You know, you don't need to be riding on the crazy train every single day. You don't need to be in hypervigilance mode all the time. Your stomach hurts. You have headaches. The body keeps score when you are in long-term relationships with people like this. I actually have hearing loss in my right ear just from trauma, just the fucking, the fuckery over all of the years. So when you choose yourself, you choose to remove yourself from their abuse. You choose to live your life without walking on eggshells or walking around bombs because you just never know. Like the ball always moves. We don't know. Something that was fine yesterday is going to be the biggest problem today. So you're always arming yourself. You deserve to focus on your feelings. If you are trying to leave a toxic relationship, it almost seems absolutely impossible. 
And it surely does, because I remember. Um, I actually did an episode um, in season two. It's called Leaving the Narc. And I discuss uh, different steps that you can and should take prior to leaving. Um, You must plan and exhaust that plan and not tell the narcissist's family and definitely not tell the narc because you're entering entering into a very volatile dangerous stage and it could take months it could take a year to plan this especially when there's children involved so i urge you go back and listen to the episode, the episode in season 2 it's called leaving the narc episode and then the, there also is one it's called divorcing the narc um and that's pretty that's really full of all kinds of information some steps i took some steps i wish i would have took but or taken pardon me but um in my situation i fled um i fled the home with a 2 year old and a 9 month old and that's when i became a single mother And he replaced me immediately, by the way, with someone I considered a friend, quote unquote. Uh, Obviously, she wasn't, but she did become my uh, children's stepmother or we'll just call it step monster. How's that? Okay, moving on. That's for another time. If you can't leave and you decide to stay, which I know this very much happens, uh, this happens a lot. Um, My heart goes out to you. Um, I hope some of these steps can help you. Um, If you can get in with a therapist that specializes with narcissistic abuse or domestic violence, I urge you to Google people in your area. If you cannot, go on YouTube uh, and type in narcissistic abuse. There are plenty of communities over there and coaches that are putting out wonderful, um, fantastic information for you. Um, things that can help you in your day-to-day because that is extremely important. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, like I said, tons of online coaching um, over on, uh, on YouTube, and I urge you, I urge you to just go over and listen to what they have to say. Um, It can be very, very helpful to you. All right, so that is pretty much wrapping that up. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'm going to give you some very important information. Be right back. So this is the continuation of the what makes a narcissist miserable or how to make a narcissist miserable mini cast. As I told you, I'm working on season three now. It's taking me a little bit longer because I've changed up a whole bunch of topics that I really wanted to get into. In addition, I am diving deeper into family court reform. And so I probably will do several episodes on that. Additionally, you can follow me for more information on that. Um, I'm on TikTok at Survivor Nation and also on Instagram at Ben Through It. That's at Ben underscore through T-H-R-U underscore it. And uh, let's see. I mean, from time to time, I will uh, roll out um, some of the things that I'm getting involved in uh, specifically to that topic. Um, Right now, let me give you some very important information. 
I am going to give you the phone numbers for the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. It is on uh, the web at thehotline.org. The number is 1-800-799-7233, or you can text START to 88788. Or you can chat live by clicking the tab that tells you to do so. It's confidential and it's free. When you uh, are entering into uh, the hotline.org, the website, there will be a security alert that comes up that uh, upon entering the site, if you think that your internet access is being monitored, they will tell you the steps to go through um, in order to bypass um, that so you do not have to deal with that. Because as we know, stalking is an issue with these people and they always want to know what you're up to because God forbid you tell anybody what you're actually going through. So, um, you know, they'll stalk your social medias. They're going to stalk... you know, your internet access, they're going to want you to be on live 360 or have your, um, you know, where you are, uh, on your phone, um, at all times. So, uh, like I said, there is a security alert that comes up, um, immediately on the screen. If you think that you're being monitored, um, listen, I believe you, I see you, I stand with you. I stand beside you. You are never alone. You think that you're alone, but you're not alone. There's so many men and women that are suffering in silence just like you. And please understand that you're not a victim. You're a survivor. How the hell could you endure all the things that you keep enduring if you were not a strong individual? Think about it. They want you to think you're nothing. That's projecting because they know they are nothing. They'll do anything to keep you to stay with them because that's the narrative they're creating, right? So once you understand the game, the game's over. And that's mainly what this podcast is about. Um, Again, let me give you the uh, National Domestic uh, Violence Hotline. It's the hotline.org. 1-800-799-7233 or you can text START to 88788 or you can chat live by clicking the tab on the site. Thank you for joining me for part two of this mini cast. What makes the narcissist miserable or how to make the narcissist miserable? Look for season three of I've Been Through Some Shit, the podcast launching soon in the next few weeks. Again, my name is Dawn and I appreciate you listening. Thanks. See you soon.